SAP is committed to being one of the most diverse and inclusive software companies in the world. And leaders play an indispensable role in creating an inclusive culture. My guest today, Megan Riley, is one such leader. As always, my name is Akshi Mola and I'm a Senior Business Development Specialist at SAP S4HANA Solution Management and Go-To-Market. And you're listening to SAP Experts Podcast. Megan Riley is the Chief Operating Officer for Global Strategic Segments at SAP. She has 20 years experience leading sales teams to help C-level executives define and achieve their digital transformation objectives across a broad range of industries. As COO of Global Strategic Segments, she is responsible for leading the operational functions of the business and ensuring successful execution in the field globally across the Platinum Customer Unit, Strategic Customer Program and Private Equity Segments, which make up the top of the SAP Go-To-Market Pyramid. In this role, she leads global go-to-market for these strategic segments and works closely with global and regional leaders to ensure execution of budget attainment, strategic pipeline growth, and progression of strategic customer engagement across the three segments. She served as Vice President Strategic Customer Segment in North America until taking on her current role. She holds a Bachelor's in Communication and Business Management from the University of Tennessee, Knoxville and lives in Nashville, Tennessee with her husband and Yorkshire Terrier. All that on this episode of SAP Experts Podcast. So Megan, we have a very exciting, insightful session planned ahead for us today. But before we jump in, I would love to hear uh, from you about you so that our audience can get to know you better. So Megan, who is Megan Riley? Hi, actually, th thank you so much for having me. Um, so I am, um, Megan Riley is a, a wife, a stepmom and a dog mom. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, I'm the chief operating officer of global strategic segments at SAP. So um, that means um, that is our platinum SCP and private equity segments at SAP. Sounds good. So Megan, you have had a very complex career within SAP. And even before that, you have had a plethora of strategic roles. Uh, so as you moved up the leadership ladder, what has diversity and inclusion meant to you personally? Personally, to me, it means a place where everyone has a sense of belonging and respects everyone for being uniquely themselves and having an openness to those differences on perspectives or approaches that come with that. Wonderful. And uh, has diversity played a role in shaping who you are as a leader, your leadership style? And if so, how has it? Yes, absolutely. Um, Pre-SAP, I was almost always the only woman on a team. Hmm. I remember very distinctly walking into my first annual sales meeting at a very large software company years ago. The music was booming and they had sales on one side of the room. And I can still picture walking towards the sales part of the room and I was looking for a seat. And I promise you, if 5% of the sales people were women, I would be shocked. Mm. I, I would bet it was less. And I guess a quick story about that is I always felt included in my predominantly male teams in this industry with one caveat. The speakers at the annual sales meetings and the president's awards trips were always male coaches or athletes. 
And while I certainly have girlfriends that are huge sports fans, I am not. And I always felt very left out of those sports conversations. And that experience certainly shaped my desire to be inclusive as a And I would say when I picture that room today, you know, while we certainly have further to go and we have, um, but we've come so far in both, if I picture that room today, what that audience would look like in terms of the diversity that would be there, as well as who would be on the stage in terms of the company leaders and the external speakers they would bring, I would say we've come a long way, but we have, you know, we have a lot further to go. Absolutely, Megan. And I definitely feel you regarding the sports references. And yes, there are many women uh, who love sports references and they understand it. But, you know, when I joined SAP as an intern and I used to hear that, hey, if you want to know more about the sales organization, the AE is a quarterback. Now, not only was I never really interested in sports, (laughs) Megan, but I grew up in India, American football what you know here is known as just football there where i grew up it was known as american football because soccer is football i had no idea what a quarterback is so (laughs) to say that ae is the quarterback i'm like well that's helpful you're right that is very not only gender as well as as, you know geographically culturally very focused uh term no absolutely and i've always wondered you know what if we had someone come up on stage and like explain to the men you know how i iconic handbag was made from, you know, 332 pieces and the genius of designing that and developing it. I don't think they'd be very interested. (laughs) I would love to have that as a keynote, (laughs) but we can dream, right? Yeah. So with that, Megan, like I think what we just discussed, right? Diversity of numbers, Megan, is still easier to accomplish. Uh, In fact, my internship was about getting competitive talent, using more innovative techniques, you know, different kinds of hiring practices, marketing, social media, use of social media, all of that was used. Mm -hmm. And yes, to bring in these innovative techniques to hire, that can definitely help in ensuring diversity of numbers. However, It is harder to accomplish inclusion, which is creating a workplace where everyone, regardless of who they are, feel not only welcome, but encouraged to provide input. So my question to you is, as a leader, how do you ensure that there is inclusion in discussions as well as decisions, that it is not only the loudest voices that are taken into account? That's a great question and something in my current role in the global organization we think about a lot. So... um, In our global organization within SAP, we often need to pull the field on a specific topic. And we're not going to schedule a call for 250 people. And then we will only hear the loudest voices, right? So we do a number of things. We put together small groups. And with those, we put a lot of thought into ensuring, depending on the topic, that we have diverse representation, primarily from our seven global regions, but also from other areas such as gender diversity. And then we use tools that are more one-on-one, like a Qualtrics survey or interviews. And as a recent example, our annual business development survey that really shapes where we'll invest for the year, a lot of it's qualitative. And Mm. so last year, in addition to doing the Qualtrics survey, we did one-on-one interviews. So someone on my team did over 100 interviews. And that was because we really wanted to get the points of view and hear all the voices. And a lot of these people, English is their third or fourth language. And so we wanted to make sure they interpreted the questions as we intended. And, um, and then that we really heard their voices. And I think it was, it was extremely helpful. It was a lot of time, but it was worth it to really get all the, the, the full voice of our global community. 
Wow. Yes, absolutely. Uh, when English is a second language, it's really, really important to have that patience uh, to listen, to genuinely listen and mm -hmm. to see what's being said and to get all the voices and take those into consideration. And of course, Megan, like you uh, described, that's a lot of effort. Qualtrics um, mm -hmm. surveys all the way to all of these programs. That's a lot of effort. And some detractors of diversity programs would proclaim that, well, this is all a waste of time and uh, such initiatives are anti-merit. However, a recent study, and I will be, by the way, linking this recent uh, study by Harvard Business Review, that shows that diversity significantly improves financial performance on measures such as profitable investments, overall returns. So can you share an, an, an incident, perhaps, where having a diverse team has helped in making better decisions, taking a better approach, or led to better results? Absolutely. And I've seen some great research on that topic. And even now we're talking about, you know, board diversity is a big topic now too. Um, yeah, I think perspective is the seat you sit in. So my perspective is different than your perspective. It's different than someone else's perspective based on all of the things that shaped you. Um, you know, you growing up in India, myself, I, you know, I grew up in, in the United States as an example, whether you're a man or a woman and so on and so on. Um, and so I think by increasing diversity on the team, we bring more diverse perspectives, thoughts, experiences, as well as an approach to solving problems to the table. I think everyone's perspectives gives them a different approach. Um, and in the last year, my team was about 50-50 um, from a gender perspective. And I have multiple cultures on my team with people from Germany, Australia, Singapore, Argentina, Russia, and the United States. And so the perspective of, of this incredibly diverse team has yielded better outcomes in everything we do, from global sales meetings for our segments, as well as, as events. So if I go back to that, you know, coach, the, the coach that didn't appeal to me when I'm sitting in the audience, it's about the selection of external speakers that appeal to a global audience, or even the social events that we've done um, trying to build community during COVID. I would say some examples of some fun things we've done to build community during COVID where we tried to learn from each other and our differences. We had our Latin America team, they hosted a beach party in Rio and they taught us to make caparenas and um, wow. they, they serenaded us to the girl from Ipanema and they had some great SAP musical talent down in Latin America. Um, our Germany team hosted us for Oktoberfest. Uh, we had our APJ team gave us a regional tour, and it was supposed to include some late-night karaoke, but um, there was another way to lock down, so we got a tour of some of the offices. But just really um, trying to, one, where we have, you know, external speakers that speak to everyone, make sure it has a broader appeal and everyone's perspective. And, and my team, having that diverse perspective has really helped me make better decisions on that and, and together, collectively, making better decisions. Absolutely. And Megan, you definitely mentioned a lot of ways in which we can encourage uh, the voices which may not feel confident to bring up and put forth their opinion. Having said that, uh, right in the beginning, uh, Megan, when you said having that seat at the table, that how many women were in that room, uh, that immediately reminded me of this book that I read right after I graduated college, and that was Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. And another concept, you know, she speaks about this, that being the only woman and wanting that seat at the table and having that seat at the table. But another concept that she mentioned in there was of imposter syndrome. And I know everybody somewhere somehow feels imposter syndrome, but 
underrepresented groups especially might face imposter syndrome. And for those of our listeners who are not aware of what that is, it is a feeling that, you know, you don't deserve the success that you have and that you're a fraud. And soon enough, the jig would be up and you would be exposed. So any tips from you, Megan, for someone who is feeling that imposter syndrome that they don't belong uh, so that they can combat it? I think, first of all, I think, yes, a lot of people feel imposter syndrome. It is, it is um, felt by a lot of people. But earlier this year, I read an interesting Harvard Business Review article, and it was titled, Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. So wow. it was about the answer to overcoming imposter syndrome, especially in, in underrepresented groups. It's not just to tell, you know, it is that we're telling them they have it, but more to fix and create an environment that fosters a variety of leadership styles. Um, so that the diversity of racial, ethnic, and gender identities are accepted. So I thought that was interesting. But the reality is a lot of people feel this. And high achievers set a bar and then inflict the most self-doubt. And with some of the women that I mentor, when they've expressed this to me, you know, my, I've explained to them that you know, when they're starting a new job, for example, it's normal and okay, and no one knows everything they're doing on the first day. No. And asking for help is not a sign of weakness. And in fact, I think it helps you grow. And, you know, it's also about exploring what you need to do to build confidence, whether that is, you know, mentors within your company, outside your company, external coaches, peer relationships. And there are a lot of people that truly want to help you. So I think, um, you know, one of the biggest learnings I can share is that when you ask people for help, they rarely say no. And it took me a long time to learn. I was always asked for help if I needed um, help with something specific, but from a career perspective, I never um, did that at at a younger age. And I think people love to help mentor and share and help you with that. So, but I think that the biggest point is that no one knows what they're doing day one in a new job or a new role. And everyone is always learning and that that's normal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that is a very interesting point that you bring up that perhaps we should stop telling people they have imposter syndrome. Perhaps we should create environments in which folks feel welcome. They feel like they do belong. And of course, you know, something I can definitely empathize with and relate to is what you said about mentorship. I remember coming in as an intern and after that, I went through the pre-sales academy and you learn a lot during SAP Academy programs and you're with this global diverse team and then you come back to your market unit, right? After learning so much and you feel like you're unstoppable, but then you're in your market unit and you're face-to-face with individuals who have been in the game, in this industry for decades. And all of a sudden you're, you feel that you don't know anything. And it would not, not necessarily even be imposter syndrome. It's literally that you do not know anything as compared to these individuals. And at that time, having that mentorship is the game changer, yeah. you know, to even have that opportunity to shadow somebody. Yeah. That goes a long, long way. And even get that reality check. Sometimes we need that. Okay, like this is what you need to work on. Somebody who can be candid with you, somebody who can be helpful with you. I think that definitely goes a long, long way. There's a, absolutely. There's a, a senior leader here who recently reti- is retiring and um, had a, a great conversation with him. And I, I said, I'm, I'm just amazed at how many careers he's touched in this industry, let alone within the company. And um, yeah, people really do. I think a lot, if you ask, people really do want to help. Absolutely. And 
you know, speaking of folks wanting to help, you know, you have had uh, so many programs, you described them. And you also went on to say that because of COVID, that those programs, you know, it has put COVID has put a dampener on quite a few things. And I mean, yeah, this past year took quite the toll on everyone because of COVID. And not only were we all in this isolation, many people also faced financial insecurity. It can happen to all of us. Mm -hmm. So what can managers do to mollify the stressors? You know, it might not even be financial insecurity. It might just be, now I have to teach my kids at home. What do I do about that? So, I mean, yes, we are at work to work, but a little bit of empathy can go a long way. So what can managers do to boost morale? Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think it's about leading with empathy. And when I say leaders, I mean everyone. So everyone in this company leads by influence or has a time where they lead an initiative. But as a people manager specifically, having empathy for how this was impacting everyone on your team and checking in with them regularly and one-on-ones, I think is critically important. And I've seen it from where I sit. Um, I had a North American employee whose husband owned a chain of restaurants. And at the very beginning of the lockdown, you know, his entire livelihood shut down and they drove around late at night cleaning out the refrigerators and taking food to food banks and family, right? And that's, you know, think about how much, you know, it's, it's that was very scary for them financially. And, um, and then, you know, recently, um, you also have to understand in a global organization that everyone is experiencing conditions very differently. We have um, an Indian Canadian employee that just got home yesterday after many months of being in lockdown after visiting family in India. Wow. She had an incredibly traumatic experience. I mean, the devastation, as you know, of our colleagues over there is, has been heartbreaking. And she literally got home yesterday, had expected to be home in, I believe it was February. Um, and so just um, really having the empathy that, that this has really impacted people very differently, depending on their own personal conditions with having to take care and juggle family and, and child care while they're working, depending on where they are in the world and what's going on in the different waves of lockdowns. This week, Australia started another wave of lockdowns hmm. while other places are opening up. So, you know, I'm, you know, having the empathy with, you know, my someone on my team over there and their kids are on holiday. And so, and they just did another wave of lockdown. So those all got, you know, canceled. So really having the empathy of everyone having a different experience during this pandemic and being there to listen and, and help where we can. Absolutely. And, you know, when we speak of boosting morale and, you know, you spoke about empathy, that's very, very important. But when we speak about, say, boosting the morale of the team and, uh, being positive, sometimes uh, too much positivity can also be toxic. You know, at least in North America, we live in this hustle culture. We see quotes like, if you're not a part of the solution, you're a part of the problem. Or, you know, my personal least favorite, if I may, is good vibes only. What does that even mean? So how can all of us, especially when we're in pandemic, like you said, you know, the whole world is experiencing this pandemic very, very differently, be more mindful of other individuals and their conditions, their circumstances. And to take it a step back, what is the importance of creating a culture in which people feel comfortable in sharing challenges? So I think creating a culture where people feel comfortable sharing their challenges is critical because, 
if you understand what's going on with them, you can help, whether it's distribute workload, if there's additional help they need, maybe their company resources that you can offer or just an ear to listen um, or you know, telling them to take some time off. I think the way to create that culture where people feel comfortable sharing is, is you know, as a, as a manager, it's about being transparent and open where people feel safe sharing. And I think that happens by developing trust. And I think developing trust happens more in having one-on-one and getting to know people as individuals, not just part of the, the huge machine that we're all part of, but who are they as individuals? And I think, you know, that's always difficult in a, in a team. I think a team culture is really important, but you also need to get to know people as individuals. And so that's what's really important to me is getting to know everyone individually on my teams. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one cannot say that, okay, well, everybody seems happy. What's your problem? (laughs) One should be concentrating into what the individual is facing because yes, we're not, we all have our various circumstances and what one is facing might not be the case with the other person. Uh, Now, Megan, in episode 69, my guest was EJ Kosak, who leads the sustainability marketplace. And I had asked him this question that sustainability has become a buzzword today and how we how he was planning on truly making a change. Now, I would ask you something similar. Diversity and inclusion have now also somewhat become buzzwords, Mm -hmm. you know, that organizations and leaders may adopt to only either virtual signal or seem trendy. What, in your opinion, are the hallmarks of an organization which is truly committed to such initiatives? Furthermore, Megan, how would you say can leaders show unequivocal dedication to diversity? So I think I think my my comments about both an organization as well as individuals would be the same, and that's that actions speak louder than words. So we can say something, but if we're not doing it, does it matter? Um, I think as an individual who cares about increasing women and early talent in this industry, actions I am taking are mentoring and giving of my time, ensuring that when roles are available, that the candidate pool is diverse. And what I've learned recently is the importance of cheering on people outside of your direct span of control. So quick story on the ladder. The last time I was promoted, I received a private message from a woman who's a global CIO at a Fortune 100 company I hadn't spoken to in years. And I got this message that said, watching you shine and continue to new and larger, bigger roles, just know I'm cheering for you constantly. Wow. And I was like, Wow. She took the time to to write that and it made such an impact on me. And so if someone can take, you know, so I'm really trying to take that and and pay it forward because I think that if everyone does that, you know, multiple times in a month and you help those people, if you go back to imposter syndrome, you're building confidence in people, you're opening new avenues for mentorship. Um, you know, increasing even your own talent pipeline in your organization um, as you're, you know, increasing that engagement with people. We're all really busy, but taking the time to do that was incredibly impactful. So that's one I've added recently. Absolutely, Megan, like taking the time to pay it forward. I think that is very, very important. And I think sometimes there's a misconception that who a mentor could be, that you have to be perhaps in Mm C-suite or a senior manager to be able to mentor anybody. But, you know, coming out of the academy, I feel that could not be farther from truth because, you know, I have been an intern. So now when the next uh, cohort of interns come in, 
I have information which is very, very relevant. You know, I'm not somebody who wasn't an intern 20 years ago. I was an intern two years ago. And even same with the academy, what to expect, how things can be different, how to settle back into your market unit. You know, when you've you've been there, done that, anybody can be a mentor. and. Right. And anybody could be helping. And I, I love, love, love that, that I'm cheering you on getting a heartfelt message. It was really, it was just, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and see, that shows that such a small gesture goes a long way. It really does. So, Megan, one of the books I read during my MBA before I joined SAP, which had a profound impact on me, was titled, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. So what advice would you have for early or perhaps emerging talent like myself, who, although might be rock stars at their current role, want something more and perhaps hope to see themselves one day in a leadership role? So one piece of advice I would have is truly understanding your values. So you get on the treadmill and you start working and you're focused on success, but really understanding your values and what's important to you, because I think you're more successful when you align what you're doing to your values. Um, So when you can align your next role that you want to something that is one of your values. So for example, one of my values is continuously seeking knowledge um, it, it, even in a, in a global culture, and that was part of why my current world really appealed to me. But I also am always challenging myself and pushing myself to new heights. And I know that's something some people don't like to constantly take on new things. And I know that's something for me that I like to continue to do. So I putting myself in a position where that's the case is important to me, not for everybody. Um, just in terms of some people like to master something, and I like to. I'm constantly liking to learn new things. Um, I think surrounding yourself with people you can learn from, and we talked a little bit about that in different ways. Um, I think today, asking for help, and lots of people think it's a sign of weakness, but it's really quite the opposite. I think it's a sign of strength. And then if you want to move into leadership in terms of people management, it's about communication, connection, collaboration. Um, And so working on opportunities, and there are plenty of opportunities, even when you're not a direct people manager to do that. Um, within this organization. And so um, lastly, I would say, most importantly, enjoy the ride. So I know you're incredibly driven and we have a lot of amazing um, emerging talent within the company and everyone is incredibly driven, incredibly um, bright, just amazing talent. But I think sometimes you're pushing so hard, it's about enjoying the ride. Wow. Yes. Uh, that is indeed very, very insightful that sometimes we're so much in this rat race that what is my next level? What is yeah. my next? Yeah. That we're not it's a long race. <laughs> right. It's a long race and it's, it's, it's a perpetual race. It's not like yeah. one has to have that uh, growth mindset. That right. This is not just a one time match. Okay. I won. I read somewhere. It's, right. It's we're a not climbing. sprint. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's not like, okay, I climbed a mountain, put my flag down. Right. And sometimes it does feel like that. You know, you, Climb a hill. You there are there sudden... days that will feel like that for sure. Right. But if you look at the long trajectory, it's a, it's a, yeah. It, right. There, there have been moments when, you know, you've just put down your flag, you've reached the peak of the mountain and you're like, wait a minute, there is another mountain to climb. Exactly. <laughs> but you're but absolutely right. Many moments of planting your flag in your career. Yes. And it is important to slow down and take a moment, take in the scenery. Like, okay, I'm here. There's a lot yeah. to learn. Absolutely. Uh, 
a lot more, not more to network, more people to know. I think that's the important part uh, as, as a part of your journey. So with that, Megan, we have learned a lot today, uh, how to combat imposter syndrome, how to gain true inclusion. And of course, asking for help is not a weakness. So with that, any final words for our listeners today? Um, no, I appreciated you sharing your perspective. And like you said, I always enjoy learning and, and continuing to uh, to learn from each other. It's great. So thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us at SAP Experts Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.